there and run another play as we approach 50 seconds to go. Minshew pump fakes, passes, batted down, and picked off! Harold Landry with the interception! Unbelievable! Second career interception for Harold Landry, and that'll do it here in Nashville. Hello, one and all, and welcome to this week's episode of the Transatlantic Titans podcast. Just so you know, you don't need to check what year it is. It isn't 2008. We haven't just drafted Chris Johnson, but the Tennessee Titans are currently 2-0. and We are sharing the same record as Liverpool, Luton Town, um, even probably Cambridge in League Two. But yes, at the moment, it's been a very positive start in terms of the uh, schedule by having two wins out of uh, two. And this week, to uh, discuss our latest victory, uh, which even though was a victory, it was very, very tight. I'm joined by uh, Greg. How are you feeling, Greg? Good evening. Yeah, very happy, I think, with the uh, the predicament that we're all in at the moment. It's good to be at the top of the AFC South and top comfortably at the moment, to be honest. So, yeah, very happy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, hopefully, at some point, we will be joined by Neil and Brian. They've got all their life to uh, deal with sometimes it's too difficult to come online and try and talk positive about a result that we've just had but hopefully they'll be in at some point and so yeah to start off obviously it was a 33-30 scoreline um I mean it sounds like it was a close game in the end whether or not it should have been was another matter what were your thoughts about the game Greg? A bit after the Denver game I think it was uh, a mixed bag it was a bit ugly um and I, I really want to just come out and and just take the ascendancy into this game and and, and just blow them away. Um, and let's be honest, after the first four, well, first three drives, I guess, obviously I know that we took a 14, 14 nothing lead. Um, the first drive, obviously the Jags, there was a turnover. Great to see Christian Fulton obviously getting his first, uh, first interception in the NFL, which is great. But it, after after we went went fourteen nil up, it was it became a little bit uh, from time to time a little bit kind of I don't, I don't know it just didn't seem to flow quite right. I think defensively um, we really struggled. We were fortunate to to come away with a uh, with the field goal at the end of the first half. I think the Lambo uh, kick was was interesting to say the very least. So, but that that was massive in in the end. Um, those three points, if you think about it. Uh, would have been a di- potentially a different predicament if we were three points down going into that fourth quarter. So, yeah, it was a real mixed performance. And I think, but all in all, it was great to see Tannehill, I mean, going out and throwing the ball. I think we're, we're seeing that, you know, he's not a, a one-season pony or um, he's actually performing on a, on a consistent basis, which is exactly what you want to see from your quarterback. And I think finally he's getting the plaudits that he deserves and plaudits from the wider media, which is great to see. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the other thing that I took away from it, that I've noticed that people saying, well, where's Derek Henry been this season? But then you look at the Russian leaderboard and he's second on there with 200 yards, which shows it shows how much of an impact Tannehill's having that he's still the one getting all the credit. And like you said, I mean, that opening drive with Johnny Smith was just, I mean, I know what I, my positive positivity levels are like normally anyway, but I was there like, oh, well, this is going to be a comfortable game. And it looked that way. We went 7-0 up. Looked great, obviously, like you said. Fulton got the interception. He only got 44 yards on it. I was hoping a pick six for your first pick in the NFL would have been better for him. But then, yeah, we turned it into 14 and then it looked comfortable. And I know, speaking for myself, I was sort of like, this is perfectly fine. We can just sort of run the ball now and we can just sort of start doing what we do with our clock management. And it just didn't happen. It's almost like we kept on getting a little bit of a lead, but then the defense was slipping and letting silly plays go away. There was even like, when they had a fourth down, I think it was four and three early on, I think. And uh, Minshew's ended up managing to keep it and roll out to the left-hand side. And it's just like little things where you think Titans of last year were stopping that. We were brilliant on fourth down and it was such an easy thing to give away that I feel that's where the disappointment came. Um, before we move on to the inevitable uh, negativity towards how the defence fared, um, Johnny Smith, as I mentioned, touchdown. I think he ended up with something like 82 yards, two touchdowns or something like that. Is he, I was going to try and say, is he better than what we've ever had in Delaney Walker, which I know it's a different comparison because he was like a safety blanket for Mariota, but 
I think he's really shining now, which a lot of us expected him to step up. But did you expect him to step up so early on? Nah, two, two, three years ago, I think when he was when he first kind of came in, um, he was living in Delaney's shadow, and I don't know if that was just us thinking that Delaney is is the king of all everything, and we, you know, he was never going to live up to those expectations. But he's come on leaps and bounds, and it was actually nice to see in that first drive, uh, the you know first play. It wasn't just hand off to Henry and let's try and grind them down. It was a, a pass play that went, I think, 63 yards in the end. So it, and that's really good to see. Um, but yeah, Johnny needed a big game. You know, having no AJ Brown uh, meant that I think Corey Davis was always going to get a little bit more focused than he did in week one uh, from a defensive point of view. So he's always going to have to step up. Um, and I think luckily for us and luckily for anyone who owns him in fantasy, he did exactly that. And to get the touchdown as well. Yeah, I think he, he went he went in 13 points in that first drive uh, on the fantasy side of things, and and for us he's he's an integral part. But not just not just Johnny. I think um, you have to look at. I think there was possibly three or four receptions for Pru- uh, not Pruitt, so for Ferkser as well. Um, yeah, and a big big points in the game. But just just getting to to the defense. Yeah, I mean I, I will lay into them this week, but they. They, they were dreadful in that second half in particular. I mean, the Jags were moving the ball with ease. And look, we can all sit here and say, you know, well, Minshew doesn't really care. He's going to go and sling it. And he's going to go and, you know, and, put an, and you put enough on a, a plate for someone like Shark or, um, or Chenault, you know, and, and you, you're going to get a chance to go and get some decent yardage. But it just felt like really flat at times. And as soon as we kind of felt like we were getting a bit of distance from them, they came back in again. Um and then you know you, you can't rely on the offense to be to have to be scoring in every single drive, which is what it felt like at times. Uh, we in both the games, about both you know kind of you know, not necessarily Denver, but you know in you know, we, they were really close games, and you're kind of putting pressure on the offense to go and score points rather than you know having a defense that that we've had in previous in recent years, I should say. Um, we we know we've got a lot of new parts of this defense and it's a very, very different defense to what we had last year. We've got rookies that are coming in and playing big parts, uh, you know, like Fulton, like Jackson, um, you know, parts that maybe we, we didn't think they'd be playing to start with because, you know, Dory's obviously gone out injured and, you know, there's been players like, um, uh, what can't think of his name? No, Jonathan Joseph, sorry, who's, uh, who's also been, you know, a bit off the field of injuries and stuff. So it's been a tough one, but, um, I think all in all, no one can really look back at that from, from a scheming point of view, as much as just an individual performance point of view and, and say that that was a, a proud defensive performance because it was far from it. Um, but the only thing I would say is, you know, look at the Pats against Seattle. Yeah, Pats had the best defense last year and they've still got a, an elite defense and they still struggled. I think it's just the lack of preseason and a shorter training camp, I think it has had issues or has caused issues for defenses. Um, but yeah, no one can take away how just how poor the defense was on uh, on Sunday night. Yeah, um, like I took away from the game that I'd noticed that despite the fact that we've just paid Clowney whatever we've paid him, and yeah, I get he hasn't had much. Well, no one's had really a preseason, but the lack of pressure that we're still getting towards the quarterbacks for the first couple of games hasn't been there. Which obviously we'll see what happens when Vic Beasley eventually gets on the field, if and when. Um, I've noticed a big hole with not having a Dory Jackson, which I didn't notice as much last year, but we really seem to be missing him. Uh, the one thing I did take away from was I'd noticed that Kenny Vaccaro had a good game in terms of, I think it might have been a little bit more on the stat sheet, but I've been quite happy with the way that he's progressed as a Titan ever since we signed him. He's really been in the big games. He always seems to be the one that's been stepping up. I've been noticing him almost more than Bayard in a lot of games because Bayard might get the interception. But Vicaro's the one you're noticing doing all the dirty work on the goal line. Um, so, yeah, with the defence, I, I agree it's the same. It was one of them where I got to experience what it was like to be a Falcons fan for the first time where you felt like you're in a comfortable position only to watch your defence just be like, letting, and letting you down sounds harsh, but that's to a point what they're doing. All we needed was a couple of stops. But they just seemed to be like, it got to the point where every single drive they were having, it was inevitable that they were going to make a big play and they were going to get points out of it. I mean, yeah. I know, I know. Trying to, I don't want to compare it too much, but seeing what uh, Minshew done against the Colts defense, um, and then obviously you see the following week when the Colts played the Vikings, they completely almost shut them out. So as much as I want to say that the defense particularly let us down or were poor, I'm never going to give the Jaguars credit 
so don't expect that from me. But they were, I think they're a little bit better than what we'd given them sort of respect for at the start of the season, maybe. They'll still probably finish bottom of the division, but at the moment they've started quite well. Yeah, they've definitely they've, they've they've surprised me. Even on Sunday, I thought after the Colts game, I thought that Colts game was just going to be one of them games that they everything just went right for them. Um, I thought we'd come in. I, I didn't think we were going to walk over them necessarily because I don't think that's the Titans' way of doing it. But um, but I did expect us to to still win it comfortably or a lot more comfortably than we did. Um, and then yeah, look, I just think that with the Jags' offense, they've got they've got people who who can get open and you know people. I mentioned Chark and Chanel earlier, but there's yeah, people like Keelan Cole, who you know he's not outstanding, but if you leave him open, you're gonna you can give him opportunities. You know he's gonna he's gonna make plays. Um, and there's there's others as well. I mean, he, I think even the tight ends, Eifert, who kept forgetting he even plays for the Jags half the time. Um, you know he yeah, they're the sort of players. I mean, even though Shaughnessy got a, got a catch, um, might have dropped one potentially as well. But nevertheless, you know there's there's they've got enough players there to to go and. And make themselves open and 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 get the yardage they need and move the ball and and I think there's just a lot of third down equations where they were like third and nine, third and ten that you, you kind of think right well you got to back the Titans in that position, but unfortunately they they just kept moving it and they just kept moving the ball whether it was you know slinging it here left right and center or or just running with it. I think Robinson's um is is filled a gap that Fournette has left uh, and doesn't seem like he's got the attitude that Fournette had as well but um. It's been, it's been a. I think it was a bit of a rude awakening to some extent, but I think it also showed, you know, how well the offense has has come on, um, because the fact that you know they they were moving the ball, getting points on the board, yet we still went back and and, and still won the game come the end of it. Um, yeah, we probably should talk about Goskowski again. I mean, everyone probably sat there thinking he's going to be one and done in a Titans uh, in a Titans jersey. They backed him. Uh, to miss an extra point, um, you know, again, we're all sitting there thinking, here we go again. But also, again, at the end of the game, he's gone and, uh, you know, gone and got the field goal. I can't remember exactly how far out it was. I want to say probably about 50 or just under, maybe. It was a 49 yarder. Yeah, which, you know, 49 yards is, you know, I mean, it's, I not, know, we're, we're, it's not exactly that. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're used to having a. In, prime Ryan Suckup who's regulation within 50 but you know that's that certainly isn't a chip shot so I think again you have to kind of give him credit even though and also I think it was fortunate Lambeau missed their extra point as well which you know kind of tied it up a little bit but you have to kind of give him a little bit of credit that you know he's clearly not got full of confidence which is understandable when you've missed you know so many was it two extra points three field goals in two weeks um, but you know he came out good in the end and and, and got us the, got us over the line just about in the end. So, but I do think um, that ultimately I think offensively on the whole we were pretty good. I mean we weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I think second half there was a couple of drives that didn't really come to much, but you know you have to expect that. And just to pick up on your comment around Derrick Henry, you're absolutely spot on. I mean he's kind of gone unnoticed. Um, hasn't, but he just hasn't had a splash play. He hasn't had that, you know, that big, big chunk, sixty-yarder plus. Uh, he's not, you know, stiff-armed anyone into oblivion yet. So he's not getting talked about. But you're absolutely right. It was second behind Aaron Jones, over two hundred yards already. I mean, you can't really argue with that. Even even though he hasn't been outstanding, um, you know, he's still he's still chalking up the yards, which is what you really want to be seeing. And I'm much rather that than a even prior to the injury, uh, Saquon Barkley, who's, who's going, was it 0.4 yards a carry or something before he then obviously got his injury. So but it'll be interesting to see how, how we deal with Henry over the rest of this year and, and um, yeah, what games he'll he'll end up coming into his own and, and, and getting you know, a 200-yard game because it's going to happen at some point. It'll just be interesting to see who that's against. Well, yeah, so teams going up against the Titans will know from how we went last year. Was, well, if you stop Derrick Henry, you'll stop the Titans. But, this is where we've shown that Tannehill can actually go into a game and throw four touchdowns. And now, even without A.J. Brown, and there's an argument to say that A.J. Brown was injured in the Denver game and that he was never truly there for the first game either, that we've gone into a game without our star-slash-lead receiver, and yet we've gone out with two victories with the second leader in the rushing yards, Tannehill's passer rating and touchdown to interception rate, is up there with everyone. So you've got to say offensively, especially without Brown, we're, I don't want to ever say overachieving, but we're definitely 
achieving more than what about a lot of people were expecting us to do. Everyone thought Henry was going to be a, you know, how to stop him, load the box, and it won't happen. I mean, he may have only averaged, I think he averaged just under four yards a carry against the Jaguars, but that's perfectly fine because if he's making four yards a carry, that means he's just slowly hitting down the defense, which has then got to deal with yeah. a run pass option with Tannehill. And that's where you saw Johnny Smith, Humphreys again. Humphreys has got great stats this year compared to a lot of other receivers out there. So people are starting to step up. It's almost as if like in the Corey Davis case that they're fighting for a contract at the end of the year yeah. and they feel like now's the time to step up, which is what you're seeing. Like Corey Humphrey. Davis is making plays. Humphreys is also one I think that's that no one's talking about too much. Mm. Um, you know, take even take away his touchdown. You know, he's 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 made some really important receptions already this year, and there seem to be growing in that in that sort of slot position. I think last year we, we he got injured for a bit of the year and, and and didn't really get as involved as we would have liked. But yeah, between him, the tight ends I mentioned, Ferks earlier. We've we've talked about Johnny already. Davis, I mean, touch again, touchdown aside. A, did did okay, but was relatively quiet. I thought he had a better game in Denver, if anything. Um, they got Batson involved, another one who I think came off the practice squad. Even you know he got involved in both the run and the pass game. Um, Perry, the running back, came in for a couple of carries. McNichols as well in for a couple of carries. So you've got guys who who are just chipping in and and, and kind of helping out. Uh, the, you know the bigger names, if you like. Um, or you know, if AJ's out, you know you've got people who can come in and make those plays, which is ultimately is, is the key. And look, Tannehill stats, you know, obviously four four touchdowns is is outstanding. You know, but the, again, yards is still under 250, and that's I think it was just under 250 against Denver. You know, you've got Josh Allen slinging 400 a game. You've got even Minshew. I'm not sure he's what he ended up on. I think over, well over 300 though. You know, but he's mm-hmm. it's just to me, it's the completions, 18 to 24. Is, is outstanding and it's making the completions at the right time. 25 carries for Henry. I, I'm still worried that we're going to burn the guy out. I don't, I mean, I know he had a, uh, we, we talked a bit about this in our, in our chat and I know he had the first couple of years uh, where he wasn't carrying the ball so much, but it does. Yeah. I'd be one, I do wonder kind of what stress that will put on him as the season goes down the line. But yeah, he always seems to get better towards the end of the year, if anything. So He's always quiet to start with, and if he's doing 200 yards and seconds in in the uh, in the lead for rushing yards after two weeks, and we're saying he's quiet, then uh, there'd be some very worried defenses later in the year, I'm sure. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that Aaron Jones had about 160 yards in the last game, then he would have been the leader in the league, and yeah. I bet no one still would have been talking about or even noticing it. Yeah. Um, People will be surprised to hear that uh, in our uh, WhatsApp group that we have that sometimes we can be quite negative after a Titans game. Um, so I noticed that the one thing that was still taken away from the game was the decision over a defensive coordinator. Um, obviously, at the moment, we've got uh, Vrabel. And uh, the main discussion I did see going around was a lot of uh, few we won, a lot of people saying we didn't want it to rely on a Goskowski kick. But the, the main takeaway I took from the game was the big discussion over what we feel about for the remainder of the season, how confident are we leaving Vrabel with the role or should we be making the decision partway for a season? Granted, we're 2-0, but like we said, the defence hasn't carried us as much as it has in previous years and you can see holes in there. Do we think that's down to coaching and that how much you think we'd actually benefit from having a coordinator compared to Vrabel? I think it's scheming to me. I think they... Pease was, you know, and, and I think Adam talks a lot about halftime adjustments and Pease was the king of halftime adjustments. So if something wasn't going right in the first half, um, you know, he would make those adjustments and all of a sudden it just looks like a different team's come out in the second half. Um, but generally just scheming, I feel Pease, we're missing him certainly for that. Um, some of the play calls are a bit, I'm not so sure. Look, I, I don't think Rabel was an outstanding DC in in Houston, I think he, uh, you know, all in all was 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 solid, but nothing nothing spectacular. So I was always kind of fearing to some extent, and I also I'm not a big fan of head coaches, you know, being defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators at the same time. I like head coach do a head coach job. I then like having a DC and a, and a and an OC to, to to do their job, and and I'm not a massive fan of it personally. I do feel like we're missing peas, whether it's someone who can go and sit up there and see the game from a different view as well, which um, you know, sitting in the box, I think is something you uh, you're able to do. But yeah, I, the the defense 
does worry me slightly because I think there's enough talent there. Sure, we've lost Casey and Ryan and there's others in there, but you know, we've got some, I think, some really solid rookies. Obviously, Clowney coming in, I think without him, I, I would be very, very worried. We do need to get Beasley back. I think we have three outside linebackers available on Sunday, which you can't really get through games with, with three. Um, and you saw the fatigue, I think, towards the end of that game. And Clowney was, was on a side blowing as much as uh, as anyone. So, um, but, you know, the fact that end of the end of the game, who's there to get the interception? It's Harold Landry. Uh, who's been, you know, I'm not sure what percentage of snaps he was in for, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was north of 70%. Um, again, you know, it's, we've got the talent there. I just, I'm not convinced that of, of the way it's currently structured and with Rabel calling plays or uh, not having that kind of defensive coordinator. I'm not a massive fan of it, but I can't really complain being, two, you know, 2-0. and o. I think it's hard to be, hard to complain with 2-0, and o, but especially in the first game where we, we didn't concede a load of points. But the Jags game was a, a bit of a rude awakening, I felt, defensively. And, uh, but there was some still some some good performances. I thought, you know, Jack Crawford stepping up, got the, the sack of Minshew that I think set them back probably 20 yards or so. Um, yeah, I think Simmons was a bit quieter, but week one, he was, he was outstanding. Um, Rashawn Evans, obviously back in after pretty much missing the first week or majority of it anyway. Um, he, I think, he had that face mask, but other than that, you know, went along relatively quietly. Butler's clearly not healthy yet. I don't think he was 100%, but we needed him because I think if you not had Butler in that game and you'd gone with the cornerbacks, which probably three of the four rookies, you would have been really, really struggling. So, all in all, I think um, I don't. They're not going to make that change. There's no way they're going to make that change. I think if we were 0-2 and, and conceding 30-plus points per week, they probably still wouldn't be making that change. So I don't think it's worth discussing whether they'll make it. But at the same time, I, I yeah, I can't honestly say that I'm enthusiastic about the way it's structured at the moment. No, and I remember when we were talking last season when we knew that Pease was going and we were saying, oh, well, we're going to get... Most what defensive coordinator wouldn't want to come in and take over this role with this young... Like you said, we've got a lot of talented players in there. And... I don't know if I was surprised to see that Vrabel held on to the... Well, took over, but it might have been that there wasn't enough people interested in the role. I mean, as you were saying with how we done in Houston, I mean, if I had Clowney and JJ Watt on my defensive line, I reckon I could do a fairly good job as a coordinator myself. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if we, if we look forward into uh, week three, we've got a little bit of a trip coming up with Adam, but on the Titan side of the ball, obviously we're taking on the Vikings who have just... I don't, collapse, crumbled. There's, they lost Stefan Diggs, and suddenly the team becomes almost nothing on offense. I mean, Kirk Cousins, for anyone who has him in fantasy, ended up on minus points at the weekend, which, I mean, I'm fairly certain I could produce a slight positive uh, result as a quarterback in the NFL, but Dead they steady, just got the sh- steady. Well, Big, big Ben <laughs> can do it. I, I can do I can do it. But uh, the way that the Colts turned them over so much, it was just like, and granted, I, I think the Colts do have a good defense, but I mean, I, compared to the Titans' defense, I can see us causing them a lot of troubles. And I don't know if it's my classic over optimistic head going into there, but I don't think 3 0 is out of the question. Do you? No, absolutely not out of the question. I think um, it'll be a, I think it'll be a tougher game than than their record suggests, and it'll be a tougher game than than I think some people may well think. But I mean, going going. Going to to Minnesota is never never an easy an easy place to go. I think I read somewhere on Twitter that the the kind of record I think they got seventy percent win rate at home or something along those lines. Anyway, but you know it's not it's not going to be easy. There's there's absolutely no doubt about that. I think we but we have to feel confident going into the game. Um, if we don't feel confident, you know, after winning you know two two back to back games. Um, then you know you kind of feel like you're not really going to go very far. But I think the defense is going to is going to have to still show up. I, I agree. Since Diggs has gone, I don't think they're anywhere near as strong. But they still got they still got some good players. I think Alan Phelan's a good player. Cousins is so hit and miss. I mean, that's pretty mm-hmm. much sums up his career, right? He's either absolutely terrible or just goes out and, and balls. So it, yeah, you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, from him week on week but yeah I think it, it won't be anywhere near as easy as some people might be making out I don't think anyone's actually got us as a banker for this game I think people are expecting us to, to come out and win but 
Um, I'm not sure we'll be on many people's uh, eliminators realistically. So we'll see. But I think, yeah, defence needs to then they'll definitely need to, to really pull it out of the bag. I think they, there's going to be opportunities there. You know, as you said about the Colts and the turnovers they, they were able to get. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that, I mean, we had two interceptions on Sunday, which is hard. You know, it's quite... Uh, Considering we've just been slating the defence for the majority of the last 25 minutes, but um, you know that, that it's opportunities now, you know, to really go out and 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 put put something on. And I think a lot of the players at the end of the game were on Sunday were saying, you know, a bit sloppy, wasn't perfect. So now go out and put a perfect performance in, uh, go three and zero, and then you've got really two really really tough games after that against the Steelers and the Bills, but albeit at home. You, know, you you kind of need to come in at three and zero. I said on Sunday with the next with the three games following with Minnesota and then Steelers and then the Bills that yeah you know, the Jags game felt a little bit like must win because you can't you might win one of those three but you're not guaranteed to win all of them. So I feel like we're in a great position. This is now a game I'm not going to say it's must win because I think that's stupid, but it certainly feels like you know you come out of this and you're two and one. There's a pressure to win at least one of those two against the Bills and the Steelers, which is, you know, both of those are no gimmies. You know, the Steelers' defense is incredible and the Bills are showing themselves to be a hell of a force at the moment. So, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I think uh, you would expect us to come out victorious, but the Vikings to go 0-3 and, and two of them being at home, I think, that would be, uh, be a hell of a hell of a result for them if they uh, if they don't, don't come out with something on Sunday. Yeah, I've tried to work out if it's the best time to play them or the worst time to play them. Because, like you said, they they need to come back and show themselves. But then there's going to be no fans in the uh, yeah. crowd, as far as I'm aware, which is takes away a big part of their home advantage. Um, granted, it's still a, a and just the atmosphere of the stadium alone, they'll be much more used to it. But I mean, the way that their offensive line just crumbled against the Colts, and yeah, they have DeForest Butner who does a lot of damage. But I can see Simmons causing absolute chaos to him and. Again, they're gonna be. It's gonna be like every other offensive coordinator. They want. They're gonna to want to know where Clowney's lining up on the line, and then that's where you can see people like Landry and Simmons really having an impact. I think Simmons. It might have been Simmons that came through at the end of the Jags game that got the the touch that forced the ball in the air for Landry, who he seems to be stepping up at the right moments to sort of uh, show himself for the deserved pick that we took him for. I know there was a lot of eyebrows with his injury, but he's really sort of starting to show himself, and I think that's where we're gonna see. The difference, as much as I mean, speaking as a as a alignment coach, I'd like to see the battle in the trenches for the Vikings. They're going to try and force the ball to cook. I feel, yeah. And if we can, yeah. if we can really stop that early, that's where a lot of teams have been going. Okay, put it in Cousins' hand. And like you said, out of Cousins, you're either going to get a 500 yard, five touchdown game, or you're going to get a negative pass. At one point, this passer rate was like one or something. It was like there's there's two things you're going to get out of him. And I think if we can early force the ball for Cousins to have to make the play, considering how he's been, that's the real way that we're going to get at this team. I think if if early on we let them control the clock with Cook, that's where we'll struggle. But if early on we can get an early lead, get an early shutout on them and really force the pressure on them, that's how you're going to come away with a victory and then free and up. That's the key for me. Is, 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 that's why I think it's, so, it's got to be a, a big defensive performance because... Like I can see us going away or going in and getting ourselves a lead. I think you know, whether we run the ball ourselves or, or, or start, you know, keep the passing game up to what we've seen the last couple of weeks, it's all going to come down to the defence. Um, you know, a bit like it did against the Jags game in the end. I mean, you consider, you know, we were putting points on the board, but they just kept kept coming back. You can't really let Minnesota do that. I don't think Minnesota have as much as the Jags did on Sunday in terms of I can't see them scoring 30 plus points. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to give them an opportunity to. So Dalvin Cook's going to be, I think, probably their the biggest strength and probably the biggest worry that I would have is how we defend him. Um, I think he'll probably struggle early on, but I think as the game goes on, and you saw this against Denver, I guess, he shut the run out early doors really, really well. But as the game went on, you started seeing Melvin Gordon in particular again, a little bit more joy. So it'll be interesting to see how we deal with Dalvin Cook because I think it's been a while since we've, We've come up against him as well, so it's not like we're familiar with him, unlike, you know, unlike Melvin Gordon, for example. Um, so yeah, be very interesting. I think it's it's a bit of an unknown game for me. I think we should win. I think if you look at the, the kind of form table, and I don't think the Vikings are in a particularly good place. But you know, it's one of those games. If you don't 
if you don't get it right, you could easily go away and lose it. Um, and as I say, going in two and one with the next two coming up, I, I you know I would feel a little bit uneasy about that. Uh, I want to walk in three and zero, thinking it takes a bit of pressure off at least one of those games. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, Cousins, I'm not I'm not particularly worried about. I think they've they've got Thielen. He's obviously a, a very good receiver. Outside of that, I don't think they've got a great deal. Um, to be brutally honest. Yeah, they scored 11 points against the Colts. Um, I know they scored a fair few points against the Packers in on in week one, but I'm not particularly worried about about their offensive kind of threats. You know, I think they've got the guys at Jefferson, the rookie, who's uh, still a bit of an unknown entity. But I think it's it's going to be an interesting one. I think it will be uh, it'll be quite cagey. I feel it'll be more like a Denver game than it will be a, a Jags game in terms of points being thrown back and forth or anything like that. So it'll be one of those ones, I think, and hopefully it won't come down to another field goal. I don't know if we can handle that for a third game, can we? Uh, I mean, be, uh, I really can't. I, I, every every single time I see Goskowski go for a kick, I'm just hiding behind my sofa, waiting for someone to tell me that he's got it through or not. Uh, yeah, he doesn't fill me with any confidence. But to be honest with you, we've had—I still think we've had worse, and that was just last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for all he's been bad, he's he's hit two clutch kicks uh, at the end of the game, which is that's how you end up with Super Bowl rings at the end of the day. Which this just, is why it's really hard wish... to criticise him, though. It's like he's, saying that he's, he's one. He's practically won. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this loosely, but he's practically won two games for us. Yet he mm-hmm. still fills me with no confidence whatsoever. He's almost lost two games, but at the same time, he has won two yeah. games. Put a lot of t- he's put a lot of points out there on the table, which is, I think, where the frustrations come in. But, yeah, I don't know. It'll be a very interesting one. But, yeah, Dalvin Cook's going to – it needs to be stopped. I think he's going to be the, the key, um, especially with, with Cousins. If Cousins has anywhere near the game that he had against the Colts, um, yeah, keeping, keeping Cook quiet will be uh, on our way to a shutout, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. So, obviously – that's our thoughts towards the Vikings team, and I want to say that we're experts towards them, but we're not. Uh, but luckily, uh, early on in the day, can you tell this almost seems professional for a podcast? I'll pretend that it's happened straight away. It might have been pre-recorded, uh, but the regular host Adam actually caught up with Andy Hales from the, um, who is a Minnesota Vikings fan. So I'm going to try and seam- seamlessly transfer across and go, Andy, take it away. Right, joining us now on the Transatlantic Titans podcast is Andy Hales, a, a Vikings fan for his sins. Um, so, first of all, welcome and thanks for joining us. Well, thanks very much. You're welcome. How, here um, we go. Looking forward to the Titans game. Uh, well, are you? That was, that was going to be where I started. Week three, I was sort of expecting that we'd face a Vikings team that might be sort of 2-0 and or 1-1, and um, but it's, it's not gone well for you guys, is it? Well, what's the problem, I guess, if that's not too harsh a question? Um, I suppose it's a, a question I've been asking myself a lot, and I think a lot of us fans have. <laughs> um, I, I think there's, a, there's probably a combination of things, but the first one is we've been pretty unlucky with um, injuries to some key players. Um, if you assume that we, we lost a lot of our, well, we lost, I think, our two starting cornerbacks, or we got yeah. rid of them. Um, and then we brought in, you know, a couple of uh, uh, guys in the draft who it would have been good to have seen them in pre-season. They've not really had much of a chance to do that. Um, so I'm afraid they, they just haven't picked up the scheme very well. And it's obviously a big jump from college to the, the NFL for them. Um, and then the two guys that we do have um, from the, I think they're second and third years now, but they were kind of borderline anyway. They were never first teamers for me last season. And I was a bit dubious about how well they do you know, with the, the keys to the car, and I'm afraid they're not doing well. Um, and then with regards to the defensive line, we're just not getting any pressure on the quarterback. So, unfortunately, they've got all day long, um, and the receivers are getting free. Um, and we've lost Daniel Hunter, our great defensive end, um, for at least three, four weeks. And um, then on the offensive line, when we're talking about scoring points, um, we've lost our starting right guard um, for maybe at least three, four weeks. Uh, Garrett, not Garrett Bradbury, off of the Pat Elf line. And then uh, Ezra Cleveland, who could have filled the, the gap that he's created. He was our second round pick, I believe. He, um, he's not had a preseason, so he's just not ready to go. Um, and I think you will see 
genuinely our third offensive line uh, kind of um, lineup in three weeks. Yeah. So we just don't have continuity there. And two safeties in two games is a kind of sign of how poor we're doing with, with trying to get the ball out. It's yeah, appalling. That's, that's tough. That's tough. It's, I mean, Kirk Cousins, his figures obviously look appalling, but I mean, it's, is that mostly down to a, a porous offensive line or is he himself struggling? I think he's lost his one of his top receivers, so I think he hasn't found um, that connection either with Jefferson, our first round pick, um, or and even Thielen. I think to be honest, is still a little bit rusty from from last year. Um, so whilst he wants to throw to Thielen and they've got a great connection, he's not getting into the spaces he used to. And then while you're trying to find, you know, either BC Johnson, who's to be honest, a bit of a um, he's not the greatest wide receiver. Or Justin Jefferson, a, a great wide receiver, but not up to scratch the NFL yet. He hasn't got time to find them because he's been sacked or pressured or hurried. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you try and think, well, let's get the run game going and maybe we can win off some play-action passes, which we had good success last year. Um, you're right, the, we're just not creating the holes. So Dalvin Cook, as good as he is, he, you know, he, he can only do so much. Uh, it's 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 hard as well when you're behind in games to get the the running game going. As well as a Titans fan, we we know that only only too well. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's far easier to churn out um, Derek Henry in the third fourth quarter if you've got a lead um, where where you're behind. It doesn't doesn't work quite so well. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm not looking forward to the game purely because the Titans are looking strong um, and the Vikings are not. I mean that's music to my ears, um, but I'll just try and be more <laughs> more polite. I'm 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 never confident about a about a Titans game, um, and yeah, even you saying this doesn't doesn't fill me with confidence. Minnesota is always been a tough place to go. I think I mean you know, we only get to go every eight years, obviously, um, but I can't I can't remember ever winning there. So you know, maybe maybe this time will be different. I th- I think one other factor is that um, so. This is at home for me, and uh, normally that would be good. But in week one, we weren't allowed fans, and Green Bay basically destroyed us. Um, we, we didn't even have that home field advantage, I don't feel. And um, week two, we then were up against... Oh, I've forgotten now. Uh, Old man, Philip Rivers. <laughs> that's it, in Colts, who we destroyed last season. We, I think we intercepted him four times. Um, they were allowed fans, so we had a little bit of a downside there. And then you then come back into uh, our stadium and we're not allowed fans again. So home and away this year, I think it's kind of what the NFL decide. They, they've decided who they want to win and they throw in about 8,000 fans to crowd out um, any kind of uh, snap counts that you can't hear them. <laughs> so you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It'll be like a home game for you. <laughs> well with no fans um, yeah that's yeah. it it's exactly <laughs> it <laughs> so. excellent um, yeah I guess I'm, I'm not even going to ask you for a, a score prediction I don't think based on how, how confident you, <laughs> you're sounding um, are there any hmm. well I mean obviously Diggs has Diggs has gone to Buffalo and yeah you've got a lot of rookies on your roster and as, as you say it's harder to get them ready without a, a pre-season or, or even harder um, but are there any names that on well either side of the ball that we should be looking out for that we don't necessarily know? Well, I'm hoping they give Chad Beebe a bit of a throw out. Um, so he's an extremely short wide receiver um, who last season he got injured, um, but he was looking pretty smoky hot um, prior to that. Um, I don't know if it's because he's so short they can't see him, um, but somehow he... <laughs> He manages to sneak into places that no one else gets into as a slot receiver. Um, and he's great yards after catch as well. So I'd like to see him give a bit of a show instead of BC Johnson. Um, other than that, it, all the other ones are the stars. So you know about Thielen, you know about Cook, and I'm just not confident about anyone else. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. But um, should we say, Chad Beebe, watch this space. You heard it here okay. first. Okay. <laughs> even if even if you're not confident about week three, fingers crossed that um, you'll get over some of those injuries and rustiness, and you know get those get those rookies used to used to the scheme. And mm. oh, oh, is is there is there any chance of you know, can can you save this? I don't want to say save the season, but um, what 
you know, I thought was perhaps a playoff team. Is, is that still mm. possible? I think, unfortunately, not in the NFC North. Um, maybe if I was an AF, if they were an AFC team, you could, you know, you get in the playoffs with a two and two and fourteen uh, record. It's with the <laughs> AFC, but with seven but, from each conference now, yeah. yeah well. But the but the NFC North, I think Green Bay, they've got it sewn up already. Um, and then the Bears and the Lions, despite the Lions losing, um, I think they've lost their first two games. They look really good despite that. Um, so I think even if we sorted ourselves out, it's too little, too late, and we'll be fourth. I mean, let's hope we get a first-round pick, hey, uh, the actual number one pick. Because we've got to get something out of this season. And uh, a number oh. one pick will make me smile. Uh, you can't be any worse than the Jets. I find that... Yeah, you're not going to be picking number one. I'm, I'm not buying that. Um, <laughs> appreciate, yeah, appreciate your time. Um, thanks. You're welcome. Thanks a lot for coming on. Um, that was no, that it's was great. <laughs> and uh, good luck with your season as well. I think you're going to have much more success. And I, for what it's worth, I do enjoy watching the Titans play. So, um, at the very <laughs> least, I'll have some entertaining football, even if I'm swearing at the TV as a result of the <laughs> not of the many people going. say they enjoy the titans but maybe maybe times are changing um yeah, yeah. for sure uh, great right, great, well. great to speak to you thanks thanks so much for coming yeah. on well, wasn't that a good shot i am um, hopefully what they were saying was true i mean andy sounded a little bit sort of scared about the uh, vikings getting a result against us which i mean i'm perfectly happy to agree with him um, to be so, fair, if, you, if your quarterback's just gone and thrown in three interceptions, you probably are thinking, fearing the worst. Come with a team that's two and zero coming to uh, to your ground, you will be fearing the worst a little bit. But yeah, I, we're the Titans. We don't do things easily, Andy. You, if you've watched enough games of the Titans, you'll see that we we make things hard for ourselves. So any any assistance you guys can give us be great. <laughs> yeah, if Cousins can have one of his sort of fifty yard four interception game, we will like that. Yeah, as uh, Kurt would say, uh, I, had, I had to drop it. So um, to finish off in true uh, transatlantic Titans uh, style, we will end with our uh, non-Titans related. So I'm sure you've got something super positive for us, Greg. Always. No, not really. Uh, everything's kind of crazy in the world. COVID is, uh, is, is taking over everything all over again. A month ago, we're being told by our, by our government here in the UK that, you know, go back to work. Things returning to normal, please. In other words, they need money from from what you guys buy. Um, eat out to help out. You name it. Uh, you'll never guess. Cases have spiked. Um, people are getting COVID again. It's crazy, right? It's just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that doesn't so now, make sense. No, exactly, right? So now all of a sudden, the the, the directive is okay. Work from home again. Uh, don't go into work unless you physically have to, and you can't work from home. Um, and COVID apparently, and again, I don't know if this is true, but apparently COVID only comes out to play after 10 p.m. Because you can go yeah. to the pub all day and sit there um, as long as you're at a table. You can sit there all day long, drinking, doing what the hell you want, as long as you're no more than six people. Um, but, yeah, if it's once it's gone 10 o'clock, that's when COVID comes out to play and pubs have to shut. It just It's just ridiculous. Like the whole, <laughs> We're like gremlins, aren't we? It, it's it, just, it hits a certain it, time. It's just becoming like a, a running joke of like how how much worse can can this government kind of get it in terms of you know I'm not going to go through the the whole year because I'll be here for half hour just whinging but it, it just feels like it's a little bit of an odd one to sit there and say you know kids can still go to school and everyone knows anyone who's got kids will, will surely know that you know kids bring home illnesses all the time if one per if one kid in the entire school gets covid probably the whole school's getting it now i don't mm -hmm. want to stop education obviously but yeah there's just there's surely other things you have to consider to try and cut down the amount of, uh, of the cases and the spread that seems to be going on and, and shutting a pub for what is essentially an hour and a half uh, and stopping you know 1000 fans sitting in a 30,000 seater stadium uh, as a pilot, you know, it's that sort of thing. It's just, it's starting to really wind me up because, you know, look, sport isn't absolutely everything. It's the majority of my life, I'll be honest, but it's not absolutely everything. And there's obviously more important things, but to, to cancel, you know, 1,000 fans going into a 30,000 seat stadium because they can't be socially distanced, supposedly, but you can go and sit in a pub all day until 10 p.m., uh, you know, in a confined space. That's absolutely fine. It's just ridiculous. And I think, 
I'm not sure. I think we're going to get to a point where people are just going to disregard what the government is saying. And when it comes to Christmas, if if families can't get 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 together for Christmas because you can only have six, it's just gonna it's gonna cause so much uproar, and people will just ignore it, uh, and it won't get better. It's only going to get worse. I can understand the you know, we've got to put preventions in place, but it just doesn't feel like it's being dealt with right, and I'm getting a bit tired of it. So yeah, I had to get yeah. some I've, I've, nice and positive in there. <laughs> nice and up. You mentioned Christmas. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was positive to a point. We're almost there. I mean, I nearly I just... did the lint, the lint chocolate uh, oh. new uh, Christmas boxes or, or tins of uh, lint, but I, thought I was going to do that. But I thought, no, let's go for something way more depressing. <laughs> I was gonna say, I bought one of them the other day when I was in Cheshire Oaks uh, around mine, and it was well worth it. I don't care how much <laughs> I paid for it, just to have the exact ones that I like. And uh, it was brilliant. They have a pick and mix, so it's literally just trays and trays as a pick and mix, but with nice. just lint chocolate. So you just think it's like my Woolworths days. So it's like, and how it, can I bag it? And it's not Quality Street, so happy days. Oh yeah, well, Quality Washers, Street still listen to our podcast, I believe. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're be- gonna be sponsors one day. What have you got, Miles? What's your non-times related? Yeah, so mine was, I mean, I, I, I don't know how much I class it really as a negative, but I guess it kind of was. It's more that, so I missed the last uh, podcast, but I went on a uh, day trip to, which I believe is a town. I'm sure I'll probably get proven wrong by my lack of geographical knowledge, but I went to uh, Bakewell, obviously home of the tart slash pudding, oh, well. uh, which which for me is like a sort of hour and a half drive. Um it was, it was a lovely drive, nice nice hills, weather was nice. So I arrived there, you know, I'd been in the car for an hour, I was dying for the toilet. So the first thing I'd done was when I arrived, I went, oh, I'll just go use the public toilets. And they have the um, the, the the lovely toilets that you expect in like an airport or a, a train station where you have to pay 20p. Living in a modern time of COVID where you don't really want to be using cash. I've been paying by card for everything, so I don't have any form of air. Cash or I, mean, I, I don't think I've had. I don't think I've had cash on me for about six months. Yeah. I can't remember what so, Tony looks like. So I couldn't decide whether or not I was more annoyed at the fact that they didn't have a contactless option, um, or the fact that the ice cream van that was just near it. First thing I was asked, "Oh, can I get changed?" Because I, I was lucky enough to have, I think, a five or ten pound in my pocket, and they said, "Oh, sorry, we don't do it." I said, "It's fine. I'll buy something then." But conveniently, every single thing that they had was 90 something, 90 pence. <laughs> so, like, no matter what change they would give me, I wouldn't be able to use it. And then I thought, well, this is ridiculous. So, there is because the market happened to be on. And again, Bakewell's lovely. I had a Bakewell tart and Bakewell pudding just to compare the difference. There is a difference. They're both great with custard. But I then went to the market and no one would give change. There was a hot dog stand. And again, Everything was something 90 pence. I was like, have I missed a trick here? I said, clearly I'm not the first person to travel to Bakewell and suffer by not bringing a 20 pence just to go to the toilet. I think I must have spent a good 45 minutes. And in the end, I went to a co-op to buy like a Yorkie for 80 pence, which paying 80 pence for a Yorkie, I don't even want to get into that. But just so I could get a 20 pence coin, went to use it. And I had to go, you know, when you have to like scratch it on the thing just to... I must have took me about seven attempts just to get it to accept the 20 pence from me. It's like, it's like the town of Bakewell is just cursed with 20 pences. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, it, yeah, paying to go to the toilet anywhere is, is, is one thing that I could do with a non-tights related on this anytime. Because you get it at train stations and normally Euston is one of the worst for it. I just, I just feel there's like a, a moral, something morally wrong about about having to physically pay to to mm-hmm. use a toilet in a public in a public arena. Like I mean, like you know, it's not it's not a private sort of you know Euston station or you know a public toilet in Bakewell. Yeah, that is yeah, it's something. There's something morally wrong about it. It feels very uh, if anything, it feels feels very Tories to be honest. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's mad, mad. Yeah, it, it took the shine off. It took the shine off a lovely uh, trip. And they've clearly, like you said, they've clearly had people who are sitting there, I think, close by to that toilet, thinking that toilet's, uh, no one ever has to change. So if we make everything 90p, then they'll have to yep. buy two to get their 20p change. Jeez. Yeah, to me, I'd just be like, yeah, maybe charge a little bit more for a bottle of water or something, <laughs> but make it so it's something 80 pence. So then they'll just go, oh, well, that'll get me my 20p. Let's just go. It's like, like you said, they're almost being worse than saying, ah, but if you buy two of them, 
you can so i have to buy two bottles of water of which the whole point that i'm needing is 20 pences to go to the toilet the last thing i then want is two bottles of water in my hand yeah absolutely yeah but, um, that's uh that's a good one i uh yeah that is something as a pay of mine always has been as well especially when you're absolutely desperate as well which there's been quite a few instances in the past when i've been on a tube got to euston station thinking right before i get the train i'm desperate for the toilet mm-hmm. and then you're like scrambling around trying to find spare change just so you can go for a wee of that yeah i was i was i was minutes away from going to the pub uh, for a drink, and obviously then to use their toilets, but, but then, but then you, have to stand, you have to stand there and get your QR codes out and uh, yes. track and chase and all that kind of stuff, and that's painful I, enough as it is. I do, and then it's a one-person system, and suddenly yeah. a thousand people in Bakewell have had the same idea as me. You're basically um, queuing, anyway, out, queuing outside a pub for half an hour just to go for a toilet. Nice. And, um, it, it's not your fault, Bakewell, but <laughs> it's whoever decided to do that with the uh, toilet system. So, Ended on two negatives. Spoke negatives about the defense, and yet the Titans are still two and zero. And at the moment, show no signs of stopping. We obviously go into uh, Vikings Town on Sunday. Um, hopefully, we come out with a victory. I say hopefully. I'm fairly confident. Greg, I'm assuming, are we actually confident? Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it will be tight. I think it's going to be a. Uh, as I said earlier, I think it's going to be like a, a bit like the Denver game. I think it's going to be a nip and tuck. It will be uh, a relatively low scoring affair, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to be as high as the Jags game was. So, but I, yeah, I've got confidence that we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully not field goal to win it, but certainly a, a winning drive in the fourth quarter. There you go. Two positive outcomes from that that we both agree that we're going to win, whether or not it's going to be through the leg of Guskowski or through the arm of Ryan Tannehill, um, it's going to be a win. So I hope everyone enjoys the game. We'll be back next week to discuss our victory and talk on to that uh, Steelers game. Um, I'm going to have a few sleepless nights thinking about that Steelers defense. But until then, uh, I will definitely enjoy this week's game. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Obviously, tell your friends. We're all on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Transatlantic Titans. And uh, yeah, tighten up, everyone. Yeah, tighten up.